When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Turns out a gallon of pee is a lot of pee. And you have to drink a lot of water to generate that much. And so we are constantly, me and him, are pounding water for like, like staying up all night, pounding water, peeing, like all day. It was ridiculous. It's episode 82 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's founder of Evolve, Move, Play, and movement teacher, Rafe Kelly. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with a good friend of the show, John Smith, not a fake name, and we'll wrap up with a Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I'm awesome. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I have an important announcement for the Simply Human Podcast. Is this what we were talking about, the... Never mind. Go ahead. I after <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> after, yeah, <laughs> it's not that. After 82 episodes, yes, I finally have one of those little screens to put in front of the microphone. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. <laughs> like, do you have like a home studio set up? Like, here, and I'm I'm gonna set the stage for you. There, I'm gonna peel back the curtain for all you people. Look <laughs> well, behind the curtain. Look on my Instagram. I posted I posted like a behind the scenes picture from Paleo FX, and it's just like this jumble of wires like attached to my computer. Well, what I'm doing right now is I'm uh, I'm sitting in our bed in our bedroom because my children are upstairs, my wife's in the living room. I'm wearing pajama pants and a sleeveless T-shirt yeah. in my glasses. Talk slower. Coffee. Talk slower. Uh, and I do Skype using the little white headphones that come in the iPhone package. So you have like your professional studio set up, and I can just imagine you having like one hand like held to your left ear, like like Walter Cronkite style. Like, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Simply yeah. Human Podcast. <laughs> or and here I am, like I just yeah. dripped coffee from my mug onto my white <laughs> sleeveless T-shirt onto your microphone. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, it, it was like five dollars, and I don't know if it's gonna make a, well, a lick of well. difference. Yeah. So in other news, uh, I'm standing currently uh, two days removed uh, from a a knee surgery. Oh, Um, wow. So I had my uh, I had a meniscus tear that they that they cleaned up. Did we know how you did this or was Um, it just like, uh, man, my knee hurts. I don't know what happened. I have uh, I have a theory. Oh, okay. Well, then. Well, and it was a medial and they medial tear and then a lateral tear. Science words. How about this? I had some. I had Osgood Slaughter's. Anyone out there familiar with Osgood Slaughter's? It's like a growing pains thing where you have some like, I think it's like where your your bones are growing faster than your other bones. Yeah, something like that. Like when kids like tw- you know 11, 12, 13, they get it. Yeah. Like in the front of their and knee. It's, kind of like yeah, the it's really painful and it swells up. Well, my left knee has no residual effects from that. Well, over the last year, my right knee has been really getting painful and like that little knot has like come back (laughs) you'd better uh not mention that again shut up so (laughs) what what happened was some of those calcifications left over from my adolescent uh trials have had like broken off and had lodged into my patellar tendon so he had to john badalak who's been on the show he had to like actually cut the two bone fragments like out of my tendon which he said isn't super common like that doesn't happen all that often but it's he said it's very 
He said that was obviously what's causing the pain. But hmm. so uh, fascinating. So, yeah, the surgeon. The surgeon is a friend of mine. The guy that sold the anchor, the the uh, orthopedic rep, was a, a good friend of mine. He's been been on one of the early shows. Blake Lewis told the party bus story. Oh yeah, that's that's my one of my <laughs> <Yeah>. top three <laughs> humans being humans yeah. by far. That's the funniest story yeah. I've ever heard a human tell. So they're both in the uh, in the operating room while I'm just passed out on the table. So there's no telling. I, I told oh, them. Oh man. Well, this is what I told them, and my wife overheard me saying this. I said, "All right, guys, here's the deal." As long as I wake up and there's not like a cucumber sticking out of my body anywhere, like all bets are off, anything goes, do whatever you want as long as you take some pictures. Well, so they're like laughing about that because, you know, they're not going to do anything super crazy because there's going to be anesthesia in the room and like surgical techs and all this other stuff. But uh, I figured they would do do something. I wrote a note to them on my leg, but uh, I woke up and I, I was like, no pictures. And John was like, yeah, no horseplay. We're not messing around in here. I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. Mark, not everyone's like you and me. Some people are professionals. Right. Especially in, when in they're the surgery up your body and right. doing a bunch of stuff inside of it. Right. Hey, just kidding, man. We left uh, we left some surgical stuff inside your leg. See if you can figure out what it is. Yeah, junior mint. <laughs> gotcha, zing. The junior mint. Um, speaking of Seinfeld, this crazy segue. I don't know if anyone out there uh, has a Hulu subscription, but Hulu is about, on June 24th, the entire... Seinfeld series is going to be released on Hulu. Oh, well, thank God, because there's no place you can watch it on regular TV, <laughs> like TBS. They have like eight hours consecutively well, but, every day. But to, but to go back and watch it linearly is great. And I watched, you know... Yeah, okay, hang on. It's time out. You don't need to watch that I show know. in a line. You can jump in anywhere because this show has no point. There's right. no like there's, character progression nothing. from episode right. one to episode whatever, 200. Yeah, it's all just... You can watch them completely. This is not – you're not watching The Wire here. Yeah. You're not like, oh, my God, who is uh, – who, who's Weebay? I don't understand. Uh, oh, God, I, I don't understand anything that's happening. You can literally just jump right. in wherever you'd like. Well, and uh, and speaking of knee surgery, I've been just sort of sitting a lot, and I, I you know, I've, I've been very active on Facebook because I've just – you know, there's nothing else to do. I've been – I'm reading a book, and I'm doing all this other stuff. And I watched Avatar last night for the first time. You've never seen that before? I've never seen it. it I got to see that in 3D in wow. a super – the giant movie theater in the city that I used to live in. Uh, we got free oh, tickets. I think that was more of a village, Rick. More is more of like a town. Yeah, you could town it. You could yeah. – yeah, whatever. Town, <laughs> city. But uh, they had like a balcony. Like a, it's a fancy movie theater. Like you could be like one of the plebes and sit in the regular seats downstairs. Or you could go in the balcony and they had these big giant like recliner kind of things and they had food waitstaff service. And that's where my wife and I saw. It. That's one of the perks of uh, kind of working, having a gig there, like a secondary job. Is we saw Avatar for free, and oh, they brought us food and drinks. Well, as soon as it was over, because you know his eyes open at the very end. In case you're, uh, if you've I haven't seen it. seen it since then, so I have no idea. Well, and so I'm like, okay, when is Avatar two coming out? And I read a little thing about it, and it, Avatar came out in 2009. Avatar two is coming out December of 17. Avatar three is December of 18. Avatar four is December of 19. Well, great news for both of you who are listening to the podcast who are Avatar super fans and have no idea. Like, oh my God, they're getting out their paper calendars like, where's my 2019 paper calendar for the wall? My, my super like nerd uh, astronomy wall calendar. Um, they have those. Um, you, what's, what's wrong with Google Maps? First of all, I'd like to say for all of you people who live in a highly populated area, a metropolitan area, uh, and work regular old nine to five jobs, man, I don't know how you people do it. I really don't. All right. This last week, I uh, was in a training class that was like 
60 miles away from my house, so it's already going to be really far away. But I had to be there at 8 a.m. every day, and we got done at like you know four or five, whatever. So well, hold on, hold on. In case someone new to the show. Rick is kind of like his hours are kind of like uh, uh, my dad when he owned a bakery. Uh, I go to uh, yeah. my typical hours are I work from six p.m. to six a.m. Yeah, so you know, and so have to I'm deal going with literally. Anything. I'm a salmon. Yeah. I'm going against the flow of, of traffic all the time. Right. When I'm on my way into work, I look at the other side of the freeway and it's kind of just this gridlock. Well, mine's fine. And then on the way home from work, it's the complete opposite. Everyone's going into the city. I'm going away from the city, so I don't deal with traffic on my way to and from work. Typically 35 to 40 minutes, and I never have a, a slowdown. No well, yeah. this traffic, I don't understand. If everyone's going the same, there's no car crash, there's no construction. I don't understand. Is it just that you're trying to pour 10,000 gallons of water in a 5,000 gallon hose? Yes. Is that just what it is? Yeah, I think that's Why what can't it is. we all get it going? I Why don't can't? Know. If, My, uh, it's just, it's, it, it, I was like punching the steering wheel, like, what is happening? <laughs> well, I'm looking for like feverishly looking for alternate routes home so I didn't have to sit in just this ridiculousness. Well, I'm like, okay, Google Maps. Oh, this road is green. I'll take this road. This road was not green. It should have been like purple <laughs> this road or is, black. Or, or red from like all the blood flowing down it from like God. the car crash. So yeah. I am really, really – I have resolved to never work a nine-to-five yeah. ever. I don't care if tomorrow they're like, you can be the chief of – first of all, I'd never want to be the chief of police yeah. because I'm a terrible decision maker and I just make way too many jokes. Don't you have to, to wear like a big headdress if you're the chief? <laughs> are, you done? Are, are you finished? Sorry. Are you finished? Yes. Okay. I just, we can go on if you'd like. We or continue. Okay, um, thank you. But yeah, I've resolved I'm going to be a night person forever because the traffic situation my, is just insane. My dad is the king of road rage. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I can't believe that. <laughs> well, but Based his, on all the things – based on 25 years of history with your dad, I yeah, can't believe but, that he's road raging. But his one of his big like issues, he always used to say, we're all stopped at a light. If everyone – when the light turns green, if everyone would just take their foot off the brake – all at the all same, same time. time. And then I'm thinking about this. I'm probably, I don't know, 13. And I was like, no, Dad, that that wouldn't work. Like, you have to get spacing between the cars. So no, no, no. That point, would work. That would work. It's like the mini mine train at, uh, at, at Six, Six Flags. Flags. You have all these train cars there, and they're not independent of each other. They all move in conjunction. So as soon as the front car goes, they all stay together. They're all the exact but, same But you don't that – is, This is why I cannot wait for the Google, the driverless car, to be honest with yeah. you. Because I will just get in a car and just, just zone out, looking at my phone, and we'll all get there. Because it's taking all the all the variables out of it. Yeah. Your dad is exactly correct. But, 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 but unless you park like two or three car lengths away from the car in front of you, don't you have to create space at some point? You can't just stay that close to the to the car the whole time. Like if you're on the, going 80 well, miles an hour. I mean, you know yeah, I, mean? I see your point theoretically. There has to be some variance. But anyway, nerd alert. Yeah, um, nerd alert indeed. All right. Well, uh, we have you know we didn't get to. There were several other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, the McKinney thing, um, the, uh, the woman. Well, so we were gonna have a great gun control talk, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna do some abortion pros yeah, the, and cons for everyone out there. The and woman talk healthcare. The woman we're who talk about uh, affordable care. Act. The woman who lied about uh, her race, all that crazy stuff. But that, by the way, that story is bananas. It's really weird, and yeah. I don't know where I fall on it, but like. Man, yeah, crazy. That is really strange. Yeah. And then her parents are just like, "No, she's white. Yeah, I'm super white. <laughs> as white as, as like, white as we are." <laughs> Thanks a lot, mom and dad. <laughs> well, the mom and dad have been holding this secret for yeah. twenty years, going, "Yeah, she's just pretending to be black yeah. over here." And then, like, out of nowhere, like, 
okay, the jig's up. We're going to release this yeah. picture of blonde hair. It's like, She's like, hey, I've got I got a pretty good thing going. I'm like the president of the NAACP. Like, come on. That. You couldn't have done this like 19 years ago. Yeah. Like, nip this in the bud. Yeah. You got to let me get all the way down. And unst- oh, man. Yeah, that is a like great Like running story. for president. Okay, anyway. All right. So, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. So um, let's, before we uh, uh, get to our interview with Rafe, we definitely want to mention the Primal Professional Shoes. The link will be in the show notes. We have an affiliate link. There are the dress shoe with a zero drop, but it looks like there's a heel. It's a false heel. So ah, for all you primal professionals out there, that's a really unique product. And I I've never believe, heard of anything remotely like this. And they I have, can't believe there's not there's not like more of them. This is the only thing that I've been able to find, and I think it's definitely worth it. It's not it's not like buying a, you know a shoes from Payless or something. I mean, you get what you pay for in this kind of deal, but definitely. Uh, well, we talk a lot about how feet are kind of the foundation yes. of like human movement. You walk, you, you, you stand, you do all these things, and if you're not doing it correctly, you have bad posture, you have, you know, your foot's not aligned, then everything's going to be out of right. whack. So, you know, Spend some money I, th- on your I feet. agree with what you're saying. You yeah. get what you pay for with shoes. You can go and buy, you know, shoes at Walmart, yeah. but, you know, they're probably going to make your back hurt. Right. And you, well, never mind. I was going to make a Walmart joke. But we also have the, uh, the coupon code for the nutrients, the multivitamin, and the skinny fat, the uh, olive oil and the MCT oil. Use it to cook with. I put some in my coffee this morning. Um, Let me briefly say, by the way, to all our listeners, that we support these products because they fit in line with the, the our vision of uh, you know being like a human. But also, you know, your support through our affiliate links that you know helps offset some of the cost of yeah. what, how we do this: the servers and the, the microphone screens and all that. So <laughs> the five dollar you know, microphone. A, screen. a click on that is not just a click on a good product uh, or a purchase of those. It's not just a purchase of a good product. It also you know kind of helps us out a little bit. Yeah, so. and anything that it's, it's on the website that you yeah, can Amazon click through. I think I looked on I'm, I'm my Amazon affiliate uh, this morning. I had like a dollar ninety three waiting Whoa. waiting for my bank account. Don't go spinning that all in one place, yeah. Mark. Yeah. So find us online at simplehumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page youtube channel um email the show simplehumanlifestyle at gmail.com you can email rick at simplehuman rick at gmail.com uh follow me on twitter and instagram at simplehuman52 i've actually i uploaded about four or five videos mobility videos that i've done for other people i saw that yeah the videos that i made for you specifically i just went ahead and posted those on there just to see if you know how many people would call me more on but um well, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. All right, so uh, let's get to our interview with Rafe Kelly. Uh, we talked to Rafe about growing up in a hippie community. You know about that. Uh, evolve, move, play, uh, killing the body to exalt the mind, a brain rules quote, separating mind and body, letting kids move like humans, majoring in the minors, the basics of movement, W-sitting duck foots, the majors of movement, and playing outside. Here's Rafe. Joining me today on the Simple Human Podcast, Rick uh, is in some sort of weird class, so Rick could not uh, join us today, but Rafe Kelly is the founder of Evolve Move Play. Uh, He's been a movement teacher for 12 years, having practiced various martial arts since he was a small child, gymnastics starting at 15, and parkour starting at 23. Rafe co-founded and acted as the program developer and head coach for Parkour Visions in 2008. He is widely considered one of the top parkour coaches, parkour coaches in the world, having taught seminars for Apex Movement, Tempest Free Running, CrossFits, and a variety of other facilities and organizations. Rafe, welcome to the show. I read that basically directly from your website. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I need to update that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is, was there something wrong, or was or have you done yeah. more stuff? Uh, well, I just I kind of emphasizes my my parkour work, which is really more the past now. Um, whereas now what I'm doing is more my evolving play stuff. 
Yeah. So, um, so I just just was noticing that it was kind of funny. I didn't talk about yeah the cool. stuff that I'm currently doing. But uh, yeah. So to yeah. Tell, what is Evolve Move Play? Sort of tell us uh, how that started. And actually, you know what? Before we do that, tell us about yourself, your background. You mentioned you you know the gymnastics and all that kind of stuff. Like, how did you get to to this place that you you're at right now? Yeah. So. You know, I like to start my story with having grown up in a really unique situation. I, uh, my, my family was kind of part of the alternative community, the hippie community, and I, my, my family going back further had actually homesteaded in the Skagit Valley. And so we lived on the end of a dirt road um, with 12 acres of woodland that my father owned and surrounded by, when I was born, hundreds of acres of woodland that was owned by my uh, my my cousins basically, or my uncles. Um, so I was really surrounded by woods, and you know my parents were very permissive and just basically gave us the freedom to run and jump and climb and be kids. And wait, they, they didn't make you like sit on the couch like a like an adult and not ever move. Just sit down and stay there and stop moving around, you child that wants yeah. to move around. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have that that tendency to view movement as uh, as youthful tendencies disorder, as right. young coined it. But uh, so I had that. But you know, my dad had had a lot of trouble in school. He was ADHD and dyslexic, and I ended up being ADHD and dyslexic as well. And so I went into public school, um, kindergarten through third grade, and really struggled. You know, I I should promise there was times when I. Was, was reading novels way above my grade level, and then I would test as functionally illiterate at the end of the school year. Um, so I was taken out of school after third grade, and I was homeschooled for uh, until my sophomore year in high school. And then I went straight to community college. But that, that early time there, I was only doing schoolwork two hours a day, and uh, I just pretty much ran around in the woods the rest of the time. Which is how schools should be set up now, but that's yeah. a whole separate issue. Yeah. That's my belief for sure. So I had that and, you know, starting at six years old, I started tra- training in various martial arts. I started with Tang Soo Do and then Kung Fu and Aikido. And then in my teens, I started doing, uh, you know, I started, I saw the UFC and started training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and uh, Muay Thai, which have kind of been the main, main influences for me as far as martial arts. So I still, Get some. I still do some of the movement from Kung Fu that I like as far as like a soft movement practice, a way of just cultivating meditation in the body. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I got interested in gymnastics when I was 15. I did that. I became a gymnastics coach when I was 21. 23, I discovered parkour. And at the time, I was an anthropology student, so I, I was very interested in anthropology and started my interest in anthropology at 14 years old, sort of reading ethnographies. So I had all these, this information about, about how people moved and lived in other cultures that was circulating in my head. And when I started doing parkour, the combination of that with my own background moving in the woods, I just I recognized it as, as something that was a little bit more primal in a way than gymnastics or even the martial arts that I was experiencing. It was, this was like kind of the base of the way that children played. Running, jumping, and climbing. And you could see that parkour was inherently attractive to people because of this, because it gave them the freedom to just go outside and play like a kid again. And I was really fascinated by that. But I, my happy memories of doing that were not in the city. They were in the woods. 
it was on creek beds and doing this type of thing. And so I, I had an early interest in wanting to take my practice into nature. And uh, about a year into my practice, I encountered the works of, of um, Georges Hebert and Méthode Naturelle. Hold on, spell, uh, can you spell that for me? I want to put it in the show notes. Uh, George is uh, G-E-O-R-G-E-S, and then Hebert is H-E-B-E-R-T. Okay. And uh, Method is, so Method Naturelle is French for natural method, and Method is M-E-T-H-O-D-E, and Naturelle is N-A-T-U-R-E-L-L-E. So awesome. it's just a little bit different. I took uh, French in high school, so I, I'm right with you. <laughs> it's hard to remember the French spelling. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, uh, I started actually communicating with Erwin Lacour, who was the founder of Monat through the parkour forums at the time. And we started kind of uh, exploring these ideas together. But he went his way and I went mine. And, and we ended up not really being aligned in the way that we wanted to take this. Uh, but I... I was always really intrigued with this idea of how we created a kind of a complete method of human movement. To me, parkour was beautiful and it tapped deeply into the most basic aspects of human movement. But it was a little strange because it was missing uh, manipulating objects and interacting with other people and combatives. And these are things that every kid engages in. Like kids love to run and jump and climb and they do a tremendous amount of that. But that's not the whole of the way that they play physically with their bodies. They also love to roughhouse and, and tumble around and fight with each other. They also love to build forts and throw sticks and skip stones. So I wanted, I always wanted to really create an education system um, and practice around the, all of these elements. And I wanted to, uh, to root it in nature because that's where our bodies evolved. Right. And that's where I am personally was most attracted to spending time but after I kind of split with Erwin you know one of the things that 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 I felt like was that we were we were taking on a project too early you know at the time I'd been training parkour for like two years and Erwin was at a similar level I had I was a you know a high white belt in jiu-jitsu and was a decent kickboxer um, but I didn't feel like I knew enough about any of these things to really be the guy who could make a generalist system. So I decided to dive deeply into parkour and that's how I ended up starting the parkour gym here and got really deep into the methods of how we did that when worked with, co studied with coaches in other places, um, took some classes, uh, some seminars with Edel Portal and kind of started building all that stuff together until I realized that I was no longer happy in a gym, no longer happy just teaching the one practice and needed to kind of open this whole scope of movement and really start exploring what came out of out of uh, moving like we evolved to and exploring our play. Cool. So I guess that's how Evolve Move Play started. And, and now let's talk about what that is and what are like the movement philosophies of Evolve Move Play. Yeah. So like I just said, I think we evolved to move. You know, we are a culture that essentially has killed the body in order to exalt the mind. We care so much about the productivity of the mind in our society um, that we don't even notice how much we've lost physically. Um, I think it was, what is it, the Labria High School videos that are going around now showing what kids were capable of just a, a few generations ago. 
Well, and then also, just quickly, that reminds me of a quote, uh, I believe it's John Medina, um, mm-hmm. of uh, Brain Rules, and I thought I took, yeah, there's a, the brain, here, here's a quote from Brain Rules. The brain appears to be designed to, one, solve problems, two, related to surviving, three, in an unstable outdoor environment, and four, to do so in nearly constant motion. And he calls this the brain's performance envelope. And it's like uh, to think that we can sort of separate the body and the mind is is insanity. Uh, to think that, yeah, we can just sit all day and then our brains are going to function to their optimal level. If you, if you start to look back at the evolution of the brain, you realize the brain itself is initially designed as a as a as a processing mechanism to control a complex movement structure. Right. As, as the way that we move as animals developed, we needed bigger brains in order to control more complex motor patterns. Um, animals that, uh, that go from being mobile to being fixed, like plants, they digest their own brains. <laughs> and it's necessary. So cognition is bootstrapped on top of a... A um, an organ or a, an organ that's really originally designed to control movement, and I I believe that we cannot optimally function as a mind without having a good body mind connection. Right? right, right, absolutely. Body and mind are not separable. It's, yeah. We have one thing: mind, uh, body. It's the same thing. And in 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 pursuing the productivity of the mind, so much in our culture, we. We're, we're killing our bodies. We live in a culture where people are have the highest rates of obesity ever, and you know that's very noticeable to people. But I see things that other people don't see because of the education and movement. I see people people have very low muscle mass. You know, it's hard to tell underneath the rolls of body fat you see on people, right. but people don't have muscles that are developed. Um, so we have an epidemic of of a lack of lean body mass. We have an epidemic of incredible weakness. You know. The average person cannot do a pull-up, um, and this is, you know, can't hang, just hang from their hands. But we're, we're a climbing primate that spent 60 million years in the tree. This is, this is an essential human function that's been lost, and it, it, it shouldn't be. There's no reason for that. Right. Human beings, when given the opportunity to climb, love climbing. Yeah. Every little kid wants to climb trees. But if you tell them, don't climb, don't climb, don't climb, which is what our culture is telling people all the time. Stop acting like a human. Well, what is the what is the relevance of upper body pulling strength to a human organism that never gets to pull on things? Right. Well, I I, uh, I just posted something on Instagram, uh, and it, you know how everybody always puts the stickers on their car, like you know the races that they do, like thirteen point one or twenty six point two or whatever. And it was this little joke thing about like thirteen point one hours I've spent binge watching Netflix, and twenty six point two was like how many Oreos I can eat in one sitting. And it, yeah, it's funny. And like, I think, I think the numbers we should be proud of are like, how many pull-ups can you do? Like that's a, that's a better indication of strength and accomplishment. The fact that we were like, we're taking pride in sort of moving in ways. I know running a marathon is, you know, running is not, you know, it, it's not a, uh, an inhuman movement, but it's, you know, running for 26.2 miles at a time isn't, necessarily something that humans uh for the for the majority of humans have done you know on a regular basis and and then kind of what you said about we tell kids don't climb don't climb you know there there are several things that we do 
And that's what, kind of one of the things I want to talk to you about. It's like, how do we... It's like we tell kids, you know, sit on the couch, sit like you're supposed to sit, sit at the kitchen table, sit down there and finish your food and don't, you know, and sit and be still. And if you don't be still, something's wrong with you and sit in a chair and don't sit on the floor. And, you know, we're like, because of all these things that we're telling kids, like we're as adults, like every adult should be able to squat down comfortably in a deep squat. Every uh, adult should be able to sit crisscross on the floor, or get down onto the floor and get up off the floor very easily be able to do a pull-up so we're losing some of these things that um you know it's like well I'm, I'm old so i can't you know sit down or climb stairs that's just part of getting old like how do we change i know you have uh you just have one one daughter one child or do you have more than one i have a, have a, a daughter who'll be three in september okay Son's going to be a year old in August. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I've got my my kids are six, four, and and almost two, and it's like, how do we keep from sort of destroying our children? Like, what what needs to change? And the whole culture needs to change. It's really hard. Yeah. It's it it's um, you face barriers in letting your hum- uh, your children just normally develop as human beings all over the place. Uh, you know, my, my child's daycare provider tells me that she's legally required to have the children wear shoes when they're outside. <sighs> I know, it's so annoying. Um, I believe that, you know, it, I can see already, like we, she, uh, she, we got a, gifted a lot of shoes and I kind of, I, I try to keep her barefoot all the time right. when she's at home. But I let her choose the shoes that she was going to wear and made sure that they were flat or didn't have a heel. Yeah. But she tended to choose the shoes that were pink and sparkly. <laughs> right. That's what mine do. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I, I noticed at one point that her toe, she's two years old, and her toes were already starting to um, uh, to adduct. The, the big toe is starting to cross over towards the small toes. And I was like, okay, well, this, this is not okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 you know, we immediately bought shoes that had a wide enough toe base and that were very flexible. They're basically just bags of leather that she wears around her. Are they the, uh, I, I know I'm giving them a, sh- a plug here and I, I'm not getting anything out of this, but the Bobucks, uh, I don't know if that's what, what you, uh, have I'm not sure what the but, name is. I should know that. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to Bobucks in the show notes, but that's my son and my daughter's war. They're ba- Yeah. They're basically like, <laughs> like little leather bags that, uh, go, like I want, I think the closest thing to the adult Bobuck, you know, other than like a five finger shoe or something, I don't like, cause it's like a Tom or I think even like, it's even like less than like the Chuck Taylor shoe. It's yeah. like, I would love to just, yeah, just like wrap like a sack of leather around my feet and walk around. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm barefoot 90% of the time. Um, I put my shoes on to do high impact training and I put my shoes on, uh, if I'm at a formal event and otherwise I basically am barefoot. Yeah. Um, and with my son, he goes to the same daycare provider and plays outside, but he's crawling now. And so the daycare provider for whatever reason hasn't bugged me, but I just haven't ever put shoes on it. He doesn't own shoes. Yeah. I get in trouble sometimes. Like I'll, uh, I'll take my son and I, I won't have I'll I'll just have his shoes like in the bat in his bag, and and his little Bobuck shoes. And I'm just like I tell the teachers like hey, as long as you know no one's saying anything or there's no one you know creating a causing a fuss or anything, just just leave him off. He doesn't need them. Like if if like people are like well his feet will get cold. Well, 
we, we think by wearing shoes and socks for the majority of our life, then of course, when you're not wearing uh, shoes, of course, your feet are going to like not be used to the elements. Like if it's kind of cold outside, I mean, it has to be really, really cold for you to put gloves on your hands, right? Because your hands are just always out and they're just used to the elements and the and temperature changes unless it's like 30 degrees outside. And the same thing goes for your feet. Like in, unless you just cast them all the time, then of course, when you take them off, if there's just a minor change in temperature, it's going to feel like your feet are in, in buckets of ice. And then, you know, it's like kids aren't, you know, don't have these same sort of conditioning that humans that have been wearing shoes all the time do they're 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 not their feet aren't they're not gonna be uncomfortable they're that's that's how they're designed to be like that they haven't been re or like messed up yet they're on default yeah it's and it's not just their feet it's their their whole bodies like you know there's this thing with parents in our culture of i'm cold put a sweater on right um, and i you know my wife totally understands this she jokes about it but she still has that tendency to want to wrap the kids up in clothes more than they need to right you know Unless the child is complaining to me right. about being cold, I want them to be wearing as little clothes as they're comfortable yeah. with, basically, because people don't understand that thermogenic response, the ability to control the temperature of the body, to regulate the temperature of the body, and to tolerate different temperatures is, is an adaption, just like becoming stronger, right? right? So just like kids who get to climb trees develop upper body strength, kids who run around shirtless and barefoot, they develop better tolerance to temperature variation. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good good concept. Like, I there's a there's a show a movie on YouTube. It's a documentary ba- made back in like the 1920s. It's called Nanook of the North. And I know you are you follow Katie Bowman's stuff, and she's actually yeah. the one that uh, turned me on to that. And in that in that uh, documentary, there are little toddlers, you know, not walking yet, maybe 18 months, two years old, in the Arctic. That are like just sitting in furs with no shirt on. Like, you know, it's like it's not, you're not going to just all of a sudden wither away and die. Like, you're like, like the thermoregulation. That's so what I was talking about is like thermoregulation in your feet. What you're saying is it's, it's a body wide thing. Like, you're everything learns to do that. And if you don't ever have to thermoregulate, then you don't know how to do it. You have to practice just like everything else. Yeah. And, and essentially, when you're not being exposed to that, that's another thing that is an element of the ancestral environment that we're not getting, and we don't even know what all of the effects of that are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So exposure to cold, for instance, stimulates the development of brown adipose tissue. Right. Which is important for regulation of um, of temperature, but it also makes your increases your metabolic rate. Right. Now, what do you think about just quickly? I uh, I take as cold a shower as, as I can, you know, like I just turn the cold water on every morning. I, I take a cold shower and, and you tell like a, a person in the Western civilized world that and they look at you like you're absolutely insane. And now like I've probably taken I think the last time I took a hot shower was when I, I was I had a, the flu or something and I, I had a fever. And, you know, how you just kind of have the chills like and I just I needed I needed hot water. But for the most part, like I think I've probably taken maybe three hot showers this year. Um, and that's to me now, it's just, I, I feel better if there's something to it, like, like thermoregulation, I get out of the shower and I feel warm now. So do you, do you take cold showers? Do you exposed to what, what are the benefits of like being exposed to cold water or just variations in temperature and just not being in this like 72 degree indoor steady temperature all, all day. So first 
can you tolerate it? That's the first thing. Do you have this ability? Because when you don't have this ability, then you're much more sensitive to the insults of life. You're much less resilient or anti-fragile, yeah. right? Yeah, this great book, by the way. I'll put that in the show notes. Have you, have you read that book, I guess? I actually haven't. I'm familiar with the ideas, but, but it really plays into I, – I need to read the book. But oh, changed my, isn't my ideas tremendously because essentially the way I think about it is the Western world is sort of looking at happiness as the acquiring of things that cause pleasure. So I imagine sort of the 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 the, uh, the apogee of our cultural development is a guy in a room with a VR machine getting pleasured on every stimulation pathway in the brain, and he'd be ecstatically happy, I guess. But the moment you take that away, what is he? He's just like a lump sack of of undeveloped flesh yeah. with no self cultivation whatsoever at all. Right. Man, yeah, that's a that's a great con- yeah. That's a I mean that's like everything sort of in that one of the thing in, in, in anti fragile is he talks about how all of these concepts are relevant in every domain, whether it's commerce or movement or nutrition or just I mean, and it, it, they're all the same. The concepts are are just they they make sense and they're relevant and, and throughout. You know, it's like this we this tapestry is woven, which is how it's designed. So, um, let's see. We're, I'm gonna check the time here. What what how, like how are we supposed to move? Like what are when you say like move? Like one of the things you know, the four pillars of the of a simple human lifestyle: eat like a human, move like a human, sleep like a human, enjoy life like a human. And I know like move like a human is all all over all of your stuff. So what does that mean? To me, it means. Essentially, you look at the patterns that human be- that are evolutionarily relevant for human beings. It's things that human beings have always had to do to be functional. Um, so that's moving outdoors, right? That's moving in areas that have temperature variations. That's being able to run, jump, climb, move on all fours, lift, carry, throw, build, fight, hunt, dance. Have sex. Make love. I was gonna. I was waiting for that one. That was my favorite. They're good. They're, all <laughs> of these things are 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 the essential stuff. Like, <laughs> I have this thing about the movement culture right now. I love I love this development of movement culture, but I see a million people now who can do not a million people, but yeah. I see people every day seemingly who now have a sixty second handstand or a one armed handstand or a one arm chin or a uh, a, a complex pattern. And, these are great expressions of movement, but to me, a lot of it is majoring in the minors, right? Right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. These people come and they they come to me and to train, and they can't fall down, like they they can't hit the ground and be able to absorb it and be soft. Right. They can't jump well. They have no patterning for jumping well. Yeah. So that that's great. So so sort of list off for us. In, in your experience, what are the minors? Like, what are the things that's like, like, I know when I'm assessing people in movements, like if you can't, you know, lay on your stomach and have somebody sort of passively take your foot and touch it to your glute, that you've got some, you know, quad hip flexor issues, stuff like that. It's like very basic. What are the basics? Like, what, what are things that every human should be able to do? Like, so you already said one, being able to fall down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what was the other one? So, yeah. Um, oh, I said people can't jump. Jump, yeah, yeah. Like, like, more, like 
I see all these people, they have no ability to extend their hips. They have no ability to drop their hips and create a rebound effect while keeping the torso upright. Uh, their arms are completely useless in the way that they jump. They, they, they just have spent so little time on that pattern that, that they're incredibly inefficient at it. These are people who have 400-pound squats and, you know, straddle planche, etc. You're not an athlete if you can't jump, in my opinion. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and if you look at the way that human children play, they don't, you know, my daughter, we go every night, we have a ritual where after dinner, she gets to climb trees and play in my uh, strength training area in my garage. And quickly, follow Rafe on Instagram. And it's just at Rafe Kelly, right? Uh, R-A-F-E-K-E-L-L-E-Y. Yeah. And for, for some videos and photos of, of exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, so she... So she climbs trees in the backyard, and she loves that, and she loves swinging. Um, and then she goes in the garage, and she swings on the rings, and she does bent arm hangs on the rings, and she does L holds on the rings awesome. and straddle Ls, and she spins herself around, and then she jumps from plate to plate. Uh, I have a bunch of my weight plates set out around, so she has an option course. To Are you on a it. helicopter? I hear a helicopter. There is a helicopter behind us. Crazy. <laughs> you're like that's the next thing you're gonna do you're gonna go grab onto one of the sled ski things and just hang on while the helicopter flies around yeah <laughs> so so my daughter she she does lift weights too this is something that i have not taught her to do at all i i hardly even do it in front of her but she's intrinsically interested in walking over and picking up the kettlebells that i have oh so yeah she yes, 30 right. pounds yeah. and we have a 24 pound kettlebell and she deadlifts that every night. Yeah, and and mine, I've, I've got a, a video on my Instagram of my daughter lifting, deadlifting, and it's isn't it interesting, with no coaching, how they just automatically organize perfectly, head neutral, shoulders back, knees up, you know everything. It's just, and they just deadlift in its perfect form. Same thing with a pull up. Like mm-hmm. my daughter does a pull up when she, you know, she automatically gets her chin back and her shoulders are back. It's like the, you know, it's like the perfect. We're just intrinsically driven to move correctly, and it's the things that we've we've built up around ourselves that are causing us to sort of learn how to how to not move right. Yeah, I see a lot of variability in kids. So some of the stuff that's like traditionally thought of as good form, they do that and they do it naturally in a lot of situations. But they also do stuff that people don't like. You know, kids W sit. Yes, uh, yes, that's another good one. Yeah. Say they they they, they shouldn't, but it's. Like that's just a natural human thing. Yeah, kids round their back at the bottom of a uh, of a squat all the time. Well, your lumbar spine should be able to flex. If it can't flex, then you're missing a human thing. Right. Um, but but yeah, they're they're really they're they're self organization machines, and because they don't have any broken things yet, they tend to organize in really smart ways. Right. Most of the time, when you see m- movement dysfunctions in people, it's because something's missing. Something's broken. Right, so if you, for instance, you see somebody who duck foots, right? Someone who turns their feet out a lot when yeah. they externally rotates their feet out a lot when they walk. Most of the time, it's because they have sprained their ankle severely. So they now essentially the ankle has become tight and dorsiflexion is missing, and the body goes around it. So it's bad organization, but it's to some degree it's the best organization for that compromised structure. Right. You can't fix it by just saying. Turn your toes in. You have to, you have to go in and fix that joint. Right. Yeah. Another well, thing, like if you if your feet are, have been casted all day and aren't strong, the the foot defaults. If the foot isn't strong enough to hold the weight, it defaults into sort of that 
collapsed ankle sort of yep. foot turnout. I mean, that's another, that's, I, I was working with some guys today, some college athletes today that can squat without just severely turning out, uh, which, and because they don't have, uh, you know, the, the dorsiflexion range of motion. So, uh, yeah, like the W sitting thing kills me. Um, it's like, it, you know, kids aren't, don't have knee problems later in life because they W sit when they're little kids. They have knee problems later in life because they don't have foot strength. They don't have correct, uh, you know, ranges of motion in their knees and their ankles in their hips in their low back. It's like, it's not the W sits you morons, but uh. well, the W sit thing basically is an association between kids who have motor problems and using that strategy as an excessive default. Right. So if your kid can W sit and uses it regularly, that's not a problem. Right. It's just a correlation that we see with people who have like palsy where they can't externally rotate. They're going to go into that internally rotated position, and that's all you're going to see. If your kid's W sitting and also kneeling and also squatting and also crisscrossing, right, and also then you're doing, fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that position by itself. It's like a lot of other things where when it's in excess, when, there's, when it's not balanced by other things, it's an indicator of a problem. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to go back and answer that question about like what are the, what are the majors in my opinion. Right, right. Um, so looking at the way that my daughter moves, right, she, she, she deadlifts in the gym one or two, maybe three times, but she swings and climbs constantly. She jumps constantly. She, you know, she'll play around with like trying to do some handstand stuff a little bit, um, but it's not the core of what she does. And essentially, if you think about it, think about it from what do you see human children do as far as play? That's that's the evolutionary relevant stuff. That's the stuff that's deeply ingrained because we've needed to do it forever. Think about it from an evolutionary perspective. How much time did we spend on different motor tasks throughout our evolution? Well, how much time did we spend on one arm handstands? Not much. Right. <laughs> spend running, jumping, climbing a lot. So, you know, you go back to, uh, to George Hebert. He talked about 10, 10 basic capacities. Walk, run, jump. Climb, balance, swim, uh, defend yourself, lift, carry, throw. Right? Though that's that's a. I mean, perhaps it's not the perfect list, but it's a pretty good idea of what the majors are. Yeah. Um, and I would, you know, in my system, I talk about uh, a pyramid of movement. Right? Locomote your body, which is move your body through space, manipulate objects, and interact. Right? Those are the three things, and you can break those down in lots of different ways. But you should be competent across all three, and you should be focused on. We should start as athletes. We should start as people with focusing on those things that are that are really relevant and vital movement patterns, right. stuff that we can express throughout the world. And we should be doing it in nature because you know there's this idea in, in um, you know physiotherapy of you need to stress people's brains, stress people's joint structures by putting them in proprioceptively enriched environments. And their answer for that is to put people on BOSA balls. Right. That's it's, it's yeah yeah nature is proprioceptively enriched. <laughs> how many how many of those are out like just sort of floating around in the woods? Are there? I mean, you see them a lot, right? I mean, yeah, I know. I guess they're hard to sell. Yeah. But <laughs> if you just think about trying to jump from um, trying to jump and land on a tree branch, as opposed to trying to jump and land on a um, yeah a a box like a a box jump box or right. even a ray. Right. Well, how many things do you have to solve when you hit that tree branch? Yeah. A tree branch 
is going to be fixed on one end and it's going to be not fixed on the other yeah. end in general. It's so it's a- gonna, asymmetrical. Yeah. Right? It'll usually have variations in shape. So it's going to it's going to have some degree of unpredictability in the way that it moves. It's going to maybe pitch side to side. It's going to bend and distort under your weight. It's going to move forward and back. It's going to yaw. So all of those things that your nervous system then has to solve are, are tremendously more complicated. Right. Now put that tree branch in an environment where now your, your body has to solve depth perception with light filtering through trees. Now maybe you're at height and you have to deal with vertigo and a deeper uh, horizon line. Right? We're really, if we're not familiar with it, when we are up at height, we're very disoriented by a horizon line that goes down way below us. Yeah. Yeah. And guy, like listeners, I mean, uh, you might be able to just sort of blow some of that stuff off, but I'm telling you that stuff matters. Like big objects moving past your line of sight as you're walking instead of like walking in a treadmill where nothing is passing your peripherals, like that stuff matters and there's no way around it. And essentially what you see, what I see over and over again is people who are competent in moving in complex situations do simple stuff well, and it doesn't translate it in reverse, right? Right. If you have a pull-up contest between Rich Froning and Chris Sharma, Rich Froning will win, but by a relatively small margin. If you have a climbing contest, if you put them on real rock, on an arch, like Rich Froning is going to fall off before they even get started. Yeah. It, to me, there's, a, there's an infinite difference in the level of true movement competence and anti-fragility that are developed between the rock climbing practice and the doing hundreds of kipping pull-up practice. Right. Um, and that's, that's essentially what Evolve Move Play is about, yeah. is taking people and giving them a progressive path, right? Hopefully with my daughter, a lot of the stuff, she's going to learn this. It's, it's like there's no, almost no formal learning, and it's not necessary in a lot of ways because she's being given the opportunity to start moving like a human and generate it for herself. So a lot of this stuff is just going to not even be conscious for her. She's just going to have it unless I teach it to her, and probably I will teach it to her so she can help other people understand. But she's not going to have to think about, oh, this is what my knees have to do when I jump. Right. This is all of the degrees of freedom that you deal with on a branch when you land. She's just her she's body will know that. Yeah. Well, Rafe, I hate to I hate to stop us here. We're at thirty five minutes, and I feel like we we haven't even like scratched the surface. I. I definitely want to have you back on um, sometime maybe in August uh, okay. and continue this conversation because I think it's a very important one. We need to talk about uh, kids and specializing too early. We need to talk about, uh, I mean, there's just, you know, there, there's several topics that we didn't get to. But just real quickly, I want to ask you that question that I told you I was going to ask you. And that is, uh, what is something that you enjoy about life or one thing that you do to make life more enjoyable? And I think I probably know what you're going to say. Uh, for me, it's, Go play outside, you know. Um, I This morning was a, was a classic example of just how much I get out of that. I I have a practice of essentially waking up in the morning and after I take my kids to, to daycare, I just go outside and meditate for 10, 15 minutes and then I do some basic joint rotations and qigong. And today I decided that to stop at this beautiful park uh, near my house on the way back to do it. Normally I just do it in my backyard. But I... I've been actually listening to Katie Bowman stuff. She's been talking about the importance of walking. I'm find, trying to find ways to, to get more just walking. Hugely important human thing that we don't get nearly enough of yeah. into my life. So I went to the park and I walked for an hour and a half intermixed with, with squatting meditation and qigong and standing on the beach. 
And at the end of it, I'm standing on the beach with my water, you know, with the water up to my knees, looking out at the Olympic Mountains with just complete quiet nearby and birds flying overhead and blue skies. And I, I was just so blissed out. I can't even describe it. This is, this is really where human beings are least stressed or are most engaged in the world is in experiences like this. And, um, I think it, it's, it's, it's very easy for it to get lost in the hyper-stimulation of the modern world, you know. It's hard for that to compete with a video game. But I'm telling you, if you go out and you make that a practice yeah. of being outside every day, you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to feel a lot more deep, intrinsic contentment than if you focus that time on stuff that's stimulating but doesn't have that deep nourishment. Right. Cool. Awesome. Well, follow him on Instagram at Rafe Kelly. Go to EvolveMovePlay.com. I'll have uh, all that stuff linked in the show notes as well. Uh, Rafe, I really appreciate you being on. Hang out for just a second after I stop the recording, but uh, we'll definitely have you back on again uh, very, very soon. Well, can you plug my uh, my Facebook page? Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, I have an event coming up July 24th through the 26th. Um, the Return of the Source, which is like the best thing that I do. Okay. So you should come. And you should also plug that too. Sweet. So what is Facebook.com slash evolve move play? Is that what it is? Uh, slash Rafe Kelly movement. Rafe Kelly movement on one word. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. All right. I appreciate it, Rafe. Yeah. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right, thank you, Rafe. And we will link to all this stuff in the show notes. EvolveMovePlay.com is the best place to find him. His Instagram account is really fascinating. It's always him, pictures and videos of him like jumping over waterfalls and hanging from tall tree branches. I'm always like, the next one, it's going to be like, here's Rafe with like the the X's as his eyes, you know, like he died <laughs> jumping over waterfalls. <laughs> Um, but really, really a great guy. We're definitely going to have him on again. Rick, I'm, I'm uh, sad you weren't in on that conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. Time travel talk. Um, yeah. So now it is time for the humans being human uh, segment. And John Smith, been on the show several times, uh, emailed or texted a, a few weeks ago and said he had a good story. And uh, here it is. Hello. Apparently, Rick. Apparently, John is like buy sell, buy sell. He's like super busy. You're like running out. He's like in City Hall or something. I don't know. He may pick up here in a second. I don't know. Blah blah blah. <laughs> that has to be the best way John's ever answered a phone call is to answer the phone and hear Mark Rogers screaming in his <laughs> ear like, oh, <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. Shut up. <laughs> to be honest, all I heard was a teacher from Charlie Brown. All right, so John Smith joining us on the Humans Being Human segment. You had oh somehow reached out via text or email or something and said you had a good joke. Not a joke, maybe. Started out kind of like a joke, like a grasshopper and a priest walk into a bar. Is that how it starts? Right. Well, I'll tell you, so the, the story I have isn't really, I mean, it's singularly funny to me because it was a moment of intense embarrassment just, just for... Uh, internally did this for a brief second. But but before I get to that, I will tell you really quick, uh, I listened with great delight, gentlemen, to the Mother's Day episode. Uh, <laughs> not so much the boneheaded move of Mark calling the wrong person, but <laughs> the, the fact that I, too, at 40-some-odd, how old am I now, 43? At 43 years old, my mother still feasts off of stories from my high school days, including a story where she was going out of town for the weekend, and what do you do when your mother goes out of town? You throw a party. 
Oh, that's not what I was going to say. Um. Right. <laughs> Mark would be holed up uh, with the internet and uh, a lot of tissues. Sucks. Right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So in order to not let my mother know that we were having a party, uh, me and my friends decided to go to this brand new construction site uh, at the neighborhood next to ours and steal, or rather rather borrow, let's say borrow, a brand new portalette that we would put in my backyard so that way the kids could use the portalette in the backyard. Nobody goes in the house. Genius. And, and, yeah. Except Seems like solid tell, logic right there. You tell 200 high school kids they can't go in a lockout they're going to find a way into the lockdown. <laughs> so the part of the party, of course, you know, get, get, goes out of control. My mother comes back home and finds a portal in her yard, and the house is ransacked. And 28 years later, or 25 years later, however long it is, she's still feasting on that. So when your mother was, you know, gleefully talking about your high school stories, yeah. they're like, oh, jeez, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the only one. That's a good thing. Speaking you know, of- I'm sure when she came home, she expected to see, like, some chaos. And, like, in all honesty, the parents go out of town – you have to come back going, I've watched sitcoms before. I know there's a pretty good chance there would have been a party here. But the porta potty in the backyard had to have been like the biggest, like, what is that? How did you get that? What yeah. is the thing? Like, if there was a goat in the yard or something. Like, that, she couldn't well, have expected that. I, I grew up in a, a small town just outside of New Orleans. And so when the, when the cops decided to make a follow-up visit on Sunday afternoon just to make sure everything was okay... That was also the little nice little cherry on top of the cake. <laughs> was there a like a triathlete stuck inside the porta potty uh, the next morning? That's usually who I would experience in porta potties. No, but it got knocked over, and unfortunately, there wasn't YouTube Ugh. back then. For you know, anyway. Yeah. So yuck. So the Catholic priest, and again, this is not really a funny story, but it was a moment of intense embarrassment. So if you can share with me, yeah. A moment of intense embarrassment. Uh, you you will uh, you will appreciate the story better because it's really not that funny. I think embarrassment so, is like one of the pillars yeah. of humans being human, right here. Yeah, that qualifies. Right. Definitely qualifies. But especially, you know, it, it's also a, a tenant of, of a good being a good Catholic. You know, <laughs> embarrassment, embarrassment, regret, remorse. These are all you know. These are all cornerstones of, yes. of my religion. So. <laughs> So I'm, not, I'm I'm pretty involved in the uh, the men's club, with, you know, school where my kids go to school, the Catholic school, you know, Catholic parish, and, and the men's club is pretty active. And I'm pretty involved in the men's club. And I'm involved in a different have, men's club. Yeah, Mark is involved in a totally different men's club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Mark, you win. Sorry. Anyway, so the, the the men let's call it the men's service organization. There you go. There you go. Because <laughs> there are no gentlemen there. <laughs> and there's certainly a no uh, young anyway. Anyway, uh, uh, but you know it could be a family restaurant. Anyway, so we have this new priest that comes in, and we kind of have this meeting with him, and it's almost like a, it's almost like an ask me anything session. Like if it was Reddit, you'd be like, you know, ask me anything. So just a, a way for the men of this service organization to get to know the new priest in town, right? So ask me anything, and you know, like like any good. Like any good New Orleans Catholic uh, organization, there's a bunch of you know frosty cold beers there, and and uh, even the priest is enjoying a few. And so the conversation starts to loosen up a little bit, and I step away for a minute, and I come back and I, and I sit down, and one of the guys in the group says, "So, Father, do you prefer it in the hand or the mouth?" <laughs> oh my! My! <laughs> and I'm like, like internally, like every cell in my body freezes up in horror. I'm like. 
oh my God, did that just happen? Did that question just get asked? And then the priest with a straight face starts to answer. And he's like, well, the hand, of course, is the easiest. You know, it's, it's the, the quickest and most preferable method. And that's what, that's what most people like to use. The hand seems to be the best for everybody. So the mouth certainly poses some sanitary issues, but the older people really seem to like the mouth for some reason, because I guess that's what they're used to. And he's going on about this. And I am internally, I am freaking out. Like, what the hell is happening? You're turning red and just like vibrating <laughs> violently. Question, the next question comes up, and it's another question about Holy Communion. He had been asking about communion, and I'm sitting there for the, the two or three minutes that it takes his priest to answer the question, saying, what in the holy hell is going on here? <laughs> what, what did I step into? You didn't just stand up at like Mark Ryder style and be like, that's what she said. That's what she said, father. That's what she said. <laughs> and I really that's... wish that I, I really wish that I craft this into a funnier story because it was a, it was an intense moment of embarrassment, but it was, it was fantastic. That's almost as good as the, do you shove in or do, are those the kind you shove in or the kind you hammer in story that we had? Right. Exactly. Man. So that... anyway, that's, that's my moment of intense embarrassment with the Catholic priest. Well, I, I don't know, Rick. Uh, just quickly, have I have I told? Do you recall me telling the story about the the communion story in the Episcopal Church on the show? No, I would have. No, I would have heard that. Okay, before. so just real quick. So we were like house sitting slash babysitting for this couple, and this is when Jen and I first got married. So this is like ten years ago or something. And they, we took their kids to the Episcopal Church where they go, and we had never done like so at that church when they take communion at like row by row, you walk up to the front, you kneel down on the little the little step thing, and then the the priest will you know serves communion to the congregation. Well, we're just kind of like everyone stands up, so we're just kind of standing up, like, Wait, what are we doing? You know, follow this. Follow that. <laughs> so we're like following up, we're like, and we both have we both have pretty severe colds at this point, which is relevant, and you'll see why in a minute. And so we're like walking up, like kind of fo- just you know sheep in the in the sheep herd thing, and going up and kind of kneeling down, and so we're like really nervous, like, what are we you know are we going to do something wrong? I'm totally going to screw this up. Yeah. So the so the priest comes by and he gives us like the little circular cracker. Well, we both immediately like put the whole cracker into our mouths. We're looking at each other like, is this what we do? We put it in our mouth. Well, then we look down the row, and the people are like dipping the cracker in the wine, right? Like he's bringing the cup by. So Jen and I very dis- tried to, as discreetly as we could, both like with our tongues, like shoved the cracker out and like pulled them out of our mouths. I imagine like a, a string of spit coming out with the cracker and then like dipped it in like the community wine. Uh, so, <laughs> so we got up, like we make our seat, like, God, ah, you totally you're going to say up. that you like turned around and you like are crunching the cracker. Your mouth is full and you go, Oh, no, gosh, I need another cracker. I screw this up. Sorry. Do you have any cheese? I'm dropping crumbs everywhere. Do you have any uh, uh, squeezy cheese that I can squeeze on this? Okay. Um, all right. Well, John, if he's still there, if he didn't uh, hang up. It's good to know that Holy Communion is not immune from, uh, <laughs> from, from funny stories here on the Simply Human Podcast. Yeah, especially when Protestants There are no are boundaries. Involved. There are no boundaries. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, John, that is, that is a Humans Being Human segment. We really appreciate you doing this. And also, uh, coming up later this summer, John is going to come back on... And uh, Rick and John are basically going to have a conversation about uh, sprinting and other things along those lines, right? Yes. That's hope. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. We'll uh, we'll email you, and uh, we'll get you sometime probably in July. Uh, we'll knock it out. 
Mm. Yeah, I think you said the 21st, which is actually my birthday, so that's good. <gasps> July 21st? Oh. oh, cool. Yeah, I guess I need to recheck my emails and make sure that I have that on my calendar. I bet I do. But <laughs> it's, okay. it's the calendar for you. It's awesome. the calendar for you, Mark. <laughs> cool. All right, well, have fun buying and selling and uh, doing, going to City Hall so, and, and so. hobnobbing with the mayor. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you, dude. See you, John. All right, thank you, John. And we're going to have John back on, I believe, at the end of July is when I have him slated for... We're going to talk... Uh, sort of sprinting i think you wanted to talk to him about something uh yes yeah. john is john if you're listening to this and i think you do listen to, show, listen to the show you are my leader i love you john there you go john is rick's leader you heard yes, it here so first well. folks um all right let us uh before we get to the tip of the week real quick um i wanted to mention something we have a lot of people have have sort of uh been asking for more content and and more shows per week a lot of, you know a lot of people are like hey why don't you guys do one every single week instead of just on the you know 7 14 21 28 we want more simply human and i'm like hey I'm like, yeah people we have this jobs. We have factory, lives. Okay. Yeah. People are like, please, we want we want a show every day. It's it's just torture having to wait an entire week. And, you know, people <laughs> are just like blowing blowing our, our phones up. Uh, not really, but we have had yeah, some. No, people are more like, hey, uh, guys, come on, tone so it down a bit. If you subscribe to the show, which I think most of you probably do, or tell your friends to subscribe. And if you don't and you listen, come on, subscribe. Just yeah. hit the button, subscribe. It automatically comes to your phone yeah. if you have an iPhone. And I I don't know how Stitcher does it, but I'm sure it's about the same way. So if you listen to the show. Just do yourself a favor. Just do it that way. This is a little bit easier, and it helps us, you know, kind of climb rankings, whatever. But you know, what am yes. I? I'm not your mother. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I don't need you or anybody to be my mother. Inside joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that that's on YouTube. It's somewhere. We need to post. <laughs> I'm sure it is. We need to post it. Anyways, um, let's focus. Yeah. So what, back, so what we're going to do are are we calling them simply human shorts? I kind of like that. Uh, like, a simply human kick in the shorts. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know. yeah. We haven't come up with an official name of it, but basically, what we're talking about is. Mark and I are going to record kind of in between. We have these main episodes that are like an hour, hour five or whatever. In between those sporadically, we're going to record little kind of shorter ones, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. They're going to be focused. We're not going to have like pants pooping talk. We're not going to have interviews. It's just going to be me and Mark talking kind of specifically about a, a directed, simply human topic. It might be about nutrition. It might be about exercise. It might be about sleep. It might be what, what whatever. You might have but a question be, that you want us to answer and you. Yeah. And yeah. The, well, that's the thing. You guys are going to drive this. So you people that have been emailing us asking for more content, email us your questions. Anybody, email us a question because we liked the question answer episode we did a couple months ago, but we didn't have enough time to get to all of them. So email us your questions. I swear by Zeus's beard, beard. if you email us a question, we will address it in a simply human short or simply human mini or whatever we're going to call it. But look for those in your subscription. Look for those if you follow us on uh, you know, on Facebook or whatever. We post links. Look for us on those. That's more just more simply human con- content. And I, you know, every once in a while we get people complaining like, oh, you guys talk about pants pooping and funny stories too much. We want more nutrition. Okay, well, the, here you go. This is for you, man who grouses about people having fun. Here is some directed <laughs> stuff talk. So Right. Or or woman, um, or woman. So so be looking out for those. Um, it is now time for the simple human tip of the week. Something you can start doing today to be a more healthy human. And back, uh, Luke Norsworthy has been on the show a couple of times. I believe he was on. I episode, love Luke. He is awesome. He's actually 60? one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen. You know, I think our favorite show of all time, the Santa Claus Talk, was episode sixty. I think he was on. 
That was, oh, okay. that was a show he was on. So, but he he mentioned a book in one of his interviews called The Happiness Hypothesis, and I'm and I'm he reading did. it. I remember that. And I'm I reading it. I, I bought it like the you know right after that, and I'm just now getting to it. So the tip of the week is going to be I'm going to read a, a, a short paragraph, and then we're going to just briefly talk about this. Okay. Um, well, I need to find the page. By the way, can you hear the yelling in the background? My yes. kids are going bananas upstairs, and my wife is shouting at them. It's really funny. Oh, good. Um, all right, here we go. A couple of psychologists uh, asked people to think back to a time when they spent more than $100 with the intention of increasing their happiness and enjoyment. One group of subjects was asked to pick a material possession. The other was asked to pick an experience or an activity they paid for. After describing their purchases, subjects were asked to fill out a questionnaire. Those who described buying an experience, such like a ski trip, a concert, or something like that, were happier when thinking about their purchase and thought that their money was better spent than those who described buying a material object, such as clothing, jewelry, stuff like that. So after conducting several variations of this experiment with similar findings each time, the psychologists concluded that experiences give more happiness in part because they have greater social value. Here's the, here's the kicker here. Most activities that cost more than $100 are things we do with other people, but expensive material possessions are often purchased in part to impress other people. So activities connect us to others. Objects often separate us. So uh, I thought that was a really good point, and that's from The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But um, So the tip of the week is to really focus on on experiencing life with people like you know like when it's family time you know i i know uh, like christmas or thanksgiving or whatever i know my family likes to play board games or do or do something that's interactive and we get more out of that than like going to a movie or uh you know like going i, I don't know like doing something that's like where you can just sort of isolate yourself and some some families that's that's how they function that's fine but it's just kind of interesting that uh, that experiences with other people lead to more happiness. Well, and I think that how that applies to me is that we're not real big money spenders. We're you know we're pretty frugal, you know, because we got a lot of stuff going on. But on the occasion that I will buy something that's relatively expensive, I never think have fond memories of that. Like we had to replace uh, one of our TVs because it well, we didn't have to, but we replaced one of our TVs because the old one went out and. I don't think like, oh man, I'm so glad I have this TV with a screen and a remote and all this, even though that would cost a lot of money. But I do think back on like things like vacations and trips that did, you know, cost a little bit of money, especially, you know, especially how we're concerned, you know, a lot of money, you know, little money to us is a lot to, whatever. I look back very fondly on those and I have memories. I don't have memories of buying this TV. I don't have memories of like me watching this TV. I don't have memories of those things, but I do have memories of like vacations that we took. So I think that's a very, very good point that if you focus on how you spend time with others instead of just, you know, objects and materials, you know, you can get by. Yeah, my wife and I, you know, before we got married, we sort of had this thing that said, okay, we're going to invest in dreams and memories instead of like stuff. And because stuff doesn't, you know, study after study after study, you know, once basic needs are met, you know, stuff doesn't bring any more happiness to yeah. to anybody else. And remember, this is the book. It's talking about the adaptation principle, where Luke was talking about, you know, the lottery winners and the people that you know break their necks and are quadriplegics. After a time, sort of revert back to their same levels of happiness that they had before. So it's that uh, the other the, the tip one B is uh, to read the happiness hypothesis. I'm about halfway through it, and it's just mind blowing uh, on all this stuff. So do you have a is. paper copy of it, or I, did you buy it on Amazon? No, I've got a I've got a hard copy of it. Well, when you're done, you can mail it to me. I will. I will do that. 
in, um, the, in the United States. You just put a stamp on it. Oh, you just put it in the mailbox and tell your postal man, hey, take this to Rick's house. <laughs> just like stick a stamp on the book and just hand it to the <laughs> like, And just oh, write to Rick to on Rick. a post-it note. I'm sure it'll find its way. That's hilarious. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it. Um, Glenn Cordoza is coming up next week and with uh, a listener, Stephanie, has a funny story I think she's going to tell us. Yes, um, we haven't recorded it yet, but uh, Stephanie, if you're listening to this, uh, it better be funny. If yeah. it's not, and, we're going to be very disappointed. And you? that is the Father's Day edition, which will oh, uh, be yeah, on June right. 31st. So when we record the ins and outs uh, next week, we need to remember that it's Father's Day. We're both fathers, and our wives are probably going to just do something crazy awesome for us. So hmm. <clears throat> maybe not. Okay, so <laughs> find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com, Facebook page, YouTube channel. We've got affiliate links for the Primal Professional Shoes we talked about earlier in the show. It is the Zero Drop Shoe uh, with a false heel that looks professional, but it is a Zero Drop Shoe. Very good. Uh, we have links to the... Uh, the Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. That's the shoes he was wearing for. <laughs> right. Yes, if you if that had panned down in that Saturday Night Live sketch, he was wearing the Primal Professionals, like the early edition of those shoes, like the 1985 Jordan version of the shoe. Um, kind of rang that joke out there, Mark. Michael squeezed every bit out of it. Email the show at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Email Rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at simplyhumans52. Thanks for making this part of your day. We know there's a lot of options out there, so we really appreciate you listening. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes, good or bad. Any publicity is good publicity. That's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember... The brain appears to be designed to, one, solve problems, two, related to surviving, three in an unstable outdoor environment, and four, to do so in nearly constant motion. So until next time, enjoy yourself. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.